Do you hear the Lord calling? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The Lord is calling, the Lord is calling in our readings today, Samuel, Samuel, here am I. And finally it says, the Lord himself stood with Samuel and spoke to him. Jesus is calling Philip and Nathaniel to follow me, to literally come behind Jesus as the master and go about the Galilee and Judea and finally to the cross and then into the resurrection and the coming of the Spirit and pouring out throughout the outermost parts of the earth to proclaim the gospel. Well, does the Lord still call to us today? Does Jesus still say to us, follow me? I think all of us hopefully would say yes, although it's hard to hear sometimes, but yes. But if we answer that call of Jesus to follow him, where are we going? We're not in the Galilee or in Judea, in Jerusalem. We're here in Houston. Where are we going if we follow Jesus? We might also add we're not really going anywhere. It's actually to whom are we going in and with Jesus? Well, Jesus reminds us that he's leading us somewhere. He's leading us to God. He will reveal the Father to us. He will also reveal our true selves to us. And he will also reveal our neighbor to us. That's where we are going. To God, ourself, and our neighbor. Jesus told Nathaniel that he would see amazing things. He would experience the Son of Man, Jesus, and angels ascending and descending. That's language from Jacob's ladder that in Jesus, heaven and earth are coming together. In Jesus, we have access into the kingdom. We have access to God, our heavenly Father. And also Jesus is one of us to empower us. And so Jesus is bringing all of these things together. So Jesus is taking God's presence, our presence, and putting them together here and now. So into the kingdom, present here and now, in Christ and the Spirit, we are able to experience these things. So Jesus brings us to the Father. We talk a lot about this. We have access to the Father in him. Jesus reveals the nature of God as love. Uh, We know God to be joy and righteousness and peace and truth, uh, holiness, all of these things. And so Jesus leads us to the Father. But guess what? Guess what we find when we enter the Father's presence. When we are born anew, born from above, when the Spirit makes it clear to us, when we are illumined by the Word and the sacraments, 
when we arrive at the Father's place, so to speak, geographically, we also find ourselves. We find ourselves, we come to know ourselves actually, in light of coming to know God. Now last week, we had the baptism of our Lord. Jesus is entering into a union and communion with all of humanity by sharing our nature and then going down even into baptism to join all of us uh, in our sinfulness, in our failures and troubles, uh, and even finally in our death. At baptism, Jesus hears the voice of the Father, This is my beloved, whom I love, This is my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. And Father Wismer reminded us that this is a statement of not only the identity of Jesus, but all who are in Christ, this is also our identity. We are beloved children that God delights in. So we are those whom God is pleased with and delights in. Even though God knows all of our failures, all of our troubles, all of our sinfulness. This is God with us in his love, healing us and bringing us along. That's part of why the good news is so good. That's why we should continue to uh, proclaim it because it is absolutely the best news there is. Now, Father Wismer had a question for us last week that I thought was a very, very profound question. The question is this, who gets to tell you who you are? Who gets to tell you who you are? Of course, the answer, the only answer is, well, God does. Because God is the creator. He's created all things. And he has the authority to tell us. But he's also joined himself to us in his son. And is a part of our very nature. And by virtue of being the creator. And by virtue of the incarnation. It is only God who can actually tell us who we are. Because we can't know without God. So that's a very profound question. Who can tell us who we are? Now, there's a very interesting aspect to this. That as we move into the Father's presence, we not only find God, but we find ourselves. And the two are forever together. And there is no human self without God present along for the ride. Whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, or whether we cherish it, but there is no human self without God. So God is present beforehand, during, and in the life of the age to come. There is no human life or self apart from God. Now this is a very important point because this Christian revelation that there is no separate human self apart from God somehow existing by itself alone This is important because our present Western culture believes something very different. Especially if you're younger, you will immediately realize that what I'm saying is different than what the culture 
and what the cultural generators of Western culture now actually says. Our present culture says that people, persons, are an autonomous individual self and they retain the right to create their own reality for him or herself. So there's a self apart from God, individual, alone, autonomous, who has the right to create their own reality. And that's why things are so crazy in the world. You have millions of people who have their own reality, they think, and that they're alone at the center themselves. Of course, the Christian faith would simply say that is not true. Father Stephen Freeman would say the invention of the modern self and its constant need for reinvention is much like our childhood fantasies because it is delusional. So who gets to tell you who you are? God does. That's what Christians say. Others say it is that autonomous self that you have. Tragically, many, many other people who are unsure, they allow the culture, the media, and all of the critics to tell them and define for them who they are. It's tragic. Listen to the blessing. Listen to the blessing of those who are in Christ, who allow God to tell them who they are. This is from the same apostle that wrote our gospel, John. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him, God. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When Christ is revealed, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is, and all who have this hope will purify themselves just as he, Christ, is pure." Isn't that beautiful? Why would anybody want something different than that? If we follow Jesus, he leads us to the Father. In God we find ourselves and we find our true identity. Now, as Jesus takes us deeper into the heart, if we will courageously take that journey with him, we will find, like our culture that we struggle with a false self, a false self. And letting go of that false constructed self that has been built over many, many years, letting go of that false self and finding and remaining in our true self in Christ is one of the most essential tasks of the spiritual life for each one of us. Have you ever heard of Thomas Merton? Would you raise your hand if you've ever heard of Thomas Merton? Oh, good. A cup. Yes, a few hands. Wonderful. I think David was the lone hand that we had at uh, 9 o'clock. Younger crowd. Thomas Merton was crazy. 
He was a rebel. Anybody that knows his story knows that he was like one of those friends that we all have somewhere in our past who just went 100 miles an hour. I mean, it was sex, drugs, rock and roll, 24-7, except he liked jazz music also. But he was desperately looking for himself. And he exhausted all of the options and the things of this world that are supposed to satisfy and bring about this self that we're looking for. He tried it all. But he finally came to the end of himself and he decided, guess what? That he might as well try God at this point. And he did. And he became a Trappist monk. And in terms of uh, Roman Catholic theology and uh, uh, the way of looking at things, he's, of course, one of our centuries, uh, last century's brightest uh, figures. And that's why many people know Thomas Merton. He speaks a lot about this false self that we create because he realized his whole life was a false self until he came to God. And when he came to God, he came to himself. This is what Thomas Merton says. Every one of us is shadowed by an illusory person, a false self. This is the man that I want to be myself, but who cannot exist because God does not know anything about him. My false and private self is the one who wants to exist outside the reach of God's will and God's love. Outside of reality. Outside of life. And such a life cannot help be but an illusion. The secret of my identity is hidden in the love and mercy of God. Therefore, I cannot hope to find myself anywhere except in God. Therefore, there is only one problem on which all my existence, my peace, and my happiness to depend. To discover myself in discovering God. If I find him, I will find myself. And if I find my true self, I will find him, God. Isn't that amazing? Amazing words that it took a whole lifetime of searching until he found himself in God. Jesus will take us to the Father. When we arrive there, who do we find? Ourselves. We're able to find our true identity as beloved children, as never alone because God is always there. We're constantly loved and we can begin to live a different type of life as beloved children. So I wrote down some contrasts between the true self and the false self. The true self is in constant dialogue with God because there's no other place to be. We can say that we're not speaking to God, but you can't make God go away, whether you want to talk to God or not. So the true self is always in dialogue with God. The false self is in a monologue with itself, a monologue that keeps going on and on and on 
with selfish thoughts, with selfish concerns, with everything that we're thinking. It's self, self, self. And people tune that type of monologue out in one second, don't they? <laughs> so the true self is a dialogue with God. The false self is a monologue. The true self is open to God because that is reality. The false self is closed to God. The true self knows that there is no self without God. The false self lives in self-delusion in its aloneness, in its autonomy. The true self is participation in reality in the kingdom because that's where God resides. The false self is a participation in falsehood and delusion and in a temporary type of hell where anxiety and fear and control all generate from protection. And finally, the true self finds itself transformed by the love and the grace, the energy of God now and looks forward to God's glorious presence in the future and that will be heaven itself. That will be the birthright, the inheritance of the children of God. Unfortunately, the false self, which really lives in hell in the presence, when the opening up of the inescapable loving God will have gnashing of teeth because that experience will not be a positive presence. Well, Jesus leads us to the Father and we find God there. We find our true selves in God and guess what? Guess who else is there? There is a third aspect to this our neighbor is also there. We cannot find God or ourself without also finding our neighbor along for the ride. This is new information for many people because we often have heard culturally that, well, it's a good thing to do things for others, but it's sort of a rule, and if I fall short, you know, it's okay. Uh, I'm doing better. I'll try to do better. But no, in fact, to know God, to know yourself, is also to know and love your neighbor. That's why Jesus himself says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is likened to it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is all the revelation of God. Love God, also love your neighbor. They're totally interconnected. Jesus is not so much giving a command, although he is, as giving us a statement of reality. If we want the reality of God... The way to relate to God is to love God because God already loves us. But also, guess who's there? The neighbor is there also, inescapably. It is the reality of things, and we are to love the neighbor as we love and care for ourselves. And so, Ignatius Branchaninoff says, By love for our neighbor, we enter into love for God. A Christian's love for God is love for Christ 
and love for our neighbor is love for Christ in our neighbor. How many times did Jesus say, if you do it to one of these, the least of these, my brethren, you do it to me? Somehow, if I love the neighbor, I'm loving Christ. If I'm loving Christ, I'm loving God. You see, it is all one reality, one kingdom, one presence of God. God, ourselves, and our neighbors. Well, this is an amazing aspect of John's teaching that uh, we won't go further into any longer because we must end this sermon. Do you hear the Lord calling you? Do you hear Jesus say, follow me? Take Jesus up on where he leads because he will lead you to the Father. You will find yourself and you will also find the heart of your neighbor there and the spirit and the will to love the neighbor as well. Amen. Amen. 